All right, welcome, welcome, welcome to the On to Something podcast. My name is Zane Witcher, and this is a space for those who are walking in the first third of life or those who are trying to figure out how to walk with those who are in the first third of life. Today, friends, we're starting off season four. We're already on season four. I cannot believe it. We've got some really great interviews that are lined up for you. Basically, anyone that we're interviewing in this season is someone who knows or talks or writes about or embodies some of the topics that we've been talking about on this podcast. Whatever we talk about is usually working on foundations that everyone needs to set into their life. So this podcast that you're listening to today, I'm going to be honest, I was uh, very excited, maybe a little too excited. We're bringing Luke Norsworthy onto the podcast today. He is the host for Newsworthy with Norsworthy, which you're going to have to ask him the reason why I think a coach like helped him make that title. Anyways, he has written two books that I think are really good definitions when we use on this podcast, the language of soul work. He does really great writing that kind of unpacks what it looks like in his newest book, Befriending Your Monsters, of how to process that with yourself. And then also, he's really good at processing in his last book, uh, God Over Good, how to hold on to God when your views of God are changing or when you are changing. Because just as a reminder, God does not change, but a healthy perspective recognizes that as you mature, your understanding and view also changes and shapes and strengthens with God. So this was a really fun podcast. Uh, a couple times I was definitely more of an audience member than I should have been. Uh, I should have been more of a host because a couple times Luke was like, hey, you remember this is your thing, right? You make the calls here. But I thoroughly enjoyed getting to talk about some of the work that he's written. We also had a quick reference to how Annie F. Downs wrote the foreword to this book. He also mentioned some interactions he had with N.T. Wright that were really fun. And just as a cherry on top, because I just did not stay focused, I was so in it, I stuck my foot in my mouth when we talked about basketball. So you get to enjoy all those things today. And without further ado, here is the recording with me and Luke. All right. So, uh, hey, Luke, welcome to uh, the podcast. How's it? How's it feeling? Zane, this is the biggest honor I've ever had today. I know. So I know. Thank I'm, you. I'm pumped because I'm glad we can make your dream happen. It is. Dreams coming come on true. this podcast. So yeah. that, <laughs> you know, so let me tell you, my oh, father-in-law no. is named Zane and he gave me the great honor of marrying his daughter. And you also Whoa. named Zane have given me the great honor of being on your podcast. So I have a Whoa. lot of appreciation for the Zanes in the world. Wow. Okay. I wasn't expecting, I thought you were going for Larry for a minute. And I was like, no, Luke, I know his name's Larry. It's not no. saying. No, I, I didn't realize this, but I, 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 I guess Netflix has a show about you or your family, Yikes. the Witchers. Is that you? Yeah. I, I've nope. never watched nope. it, but I, I saw nope. the name. Keeps happening. Keeps happening. Other people have beat you to the punch on it, but yeah, it keeps happening. Never, well, did, never seen it. No relation. You, if you've never seen it, how do you know it has no relation to you? Well, that's a that's a good point. And that's if multiple people <laughs> are pointing you to it, maybe it's the communal discernment which you're ignoring, and this is God talking to you. Anyway, I'm just putting it out there. You you do what you yeah. want. Well, I'll sit I'll sit with that for a little bit and okay. probably put it in the trash. But um, <laughs> what 
what we've uh, what we've got for uh, you so far. So like we've got some people who know exactly who you are, and then we've got uh, some people who don't know who you are. So uh, let's fill them in a little bit. So what? I, I'd rather uh, focus on just the first group, the people who know me already. If they don't know me. I don't. I don't we, really like them. We can expand that first. The people in the second group can move to the first group. Okay. How, what do you think would would move them from the first to the second group or second to the okay. first? Okay. Well, I know we've got a ton of people that are Austin fans, and you're yeah. living in Austin right yes. now. Yes, I so am. That's a big one. Uh, most of the people are big on uh, podcasts, which you have your own podcast. True. True, I do. Yep. yep. Two yep. for two. Yep. Uh, let's see. You do, a, I guess you'd say you do writing on the side. You can't say that writing is your main thing if you're preaching and ministering as well, right? So, Well, if enough of your listeners that. buy enough copies of my book, then it can be. So you, Zane, you you hold nice uh, the power to make that happen. Okay. Okay. Now I've got I've got the last one that'll resonate with a lot of onto something listeners. Okay. Uh, you know the Enneagram. Uh, I and I'm in, I'm in that. You're yeah. You're a heavy claim seven, and you fought John Mark Comer off of his thoughts with the Enneagram as well. You protected it on that episode. You know, I just wanted to you know to defend the truth. Uh, you know, one of the things that. Uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, my tradition, it's standing up for truth is a big deal. And so that's what I want to do for the Enneagram. Massive, massively, if it's in the Bible, though, which mm-hmm. I'm assuming we'll get to that one on God over good in a minute, <laughs> in a minute with it. Um, uh, okay, so uh, I've, I've kind of got this packed as we go in because we're going to talk about your podcast episode for a second. But okay. uh, when uh, I was working, we have a friend by the name of Jonathan Stormont mm-hmm. uh, that both of us have worked with at a time. I remember when uh, he was working on Christians Make the Best Atheists, yes. and I read some material, and I was like, wow, now that that's good. <laughs> and he said, that's actually Luke's. And I was like, well, Luke's stuff is really good on that. And he turned to me, and he said, don't ever feel the flame. <laughs> so, so what I've made a pact to myself is, is I'm only going to give you three compliments today okay. across the board. I probably have more, but... I'm going to limit it to three just on Stormont's advice. But here's the thing. Shane, our preacher at Highland, mm-hmm. he actually complimented you in his sermon yesterday. So now wow. I feel like we're down to two at this point. Here's the thing, Zane. You got to know I'm not good at math. So you can say <laughs> you're only giving three, but you can just let him fly. I mm. I won't count very well. Okay, well, we'll just keep it in check then. Uh, <laughs> tell, uh, <laughs> tell, people, tell people about Newsworthy with Norsworthy. Uh, like origins of that, how that came about. The origin story, I like that. The yeah. origin story of Newsworthy with Norsworthy is I was, oh, this is many years ago. Uh, Zane, you were probably about four years old when I started the podcast. Mm, I was sitting in my living room and I was reading a book by one Richard Beck, who is an elder mm. at your church. Yep. A book entitled The Authenticity of Faith. And I knew Richard uh, because my dad taught with Richard in the psychology department at ACU for many years. But mm-hmm. I didn't really like know him well enough to be like, hey, let's go get coffee and let me ask you some questions about your book. And I was reading mm-hmm. I thought, you know what I could do? I could get a microphone and I could start a podcast. And that's what I did. And initially, I reached out to a bunch of my friends, including Jonathan Stormont and a few others, both named Josh uh, and others. <laughs> and I said, hey, let's let's do this podcast together. And I got crickets. None of them were like, were, were willing to do it. 
And lo and behold, they didn't have faith that uh, it would ever amount to anything or I could ever get a guest on it that would be, Mm. dare I say, newsworthy. But Mm. lo and behold, there was a list of a handful of people that I really wanted to talk to from N.T. Wright to Barbara Brown Taylor to Roar to Mm. Rob Bell and uh, a plethora of others. And through the luck of the Internet, it uh, it materialized. Wow. That's crazy to me that it just started out just that small of an idea. Like, were you intimidated at any point, especially with like an N.T. Wright, who is like a major theologian? Like, did you have any intimidation of like, yikes, I'm going to reach out to this person and they may actually not email back? Uh, well, two things, three things now that you mentioned the not email back. I started in the <laughs> fall and I kept track in January of like 20 plus guests that I emailed cold, like cold call, so to speak, didn't get a response or got no's from. Now, again, this was 2014 where there wasn't a podcast on basically everyone's computer that they'd already recorded. Like it was brand Mm -hmm. new. And so I remember having to talk to, um, I'm not going to say her name because I don't have permission, but I remember having to email and say, hey, this is what a podcast is. I'm I'm for you. I'm not trying to get you. I, I had someone from Harper One the first time I got, got Rob Bell on, and they're like, so uh, where are you coming from? Who are you? What are you trying to do? Like just making sure I wasn't going to like ambush him or something like that. And so it was very new back then. Uh, was I ever intimidated? Uh, no, I wasn't smart enough to be intimidated. I should have been, but I really wasn't. And when I first talked to uh, Tom, as I now call him, uh, when mm. I first talked to Tom, I – I was, uh, Jonathan Storm and I actually flew to, uh, Tuskegee university, which is in Tennessee. And I got a face to face with him and like, I wore like a a coat and a button up shirt and I tucked it in and everything. Now that's never happened since then with any other episode with Tom. But at first I was so intimidated that I would like pseudo dress up. So yes. Yeah. And he calls you friend now at this point, right? I, I mean, I'm not going to stop you from saying that again in case your listeners didn't hear that, but that was pretty stinking cool. And, but yeah, like I've been able to talk to him a handful of times and he responds to emails and stuff like that in, um, yeah. in a fashion that you would not expect a world-class theologian. But that honestly, as much as I'm joking around, that says more about the character of Tom Wright than it does my town as an interviewer. Mm-hmm. And I've like I've interviewed hundreds of people and I don't have – uh, a long list of interviews that I thought, oh, I don't like that person now that I've talked to him, right? Because if it's like mm. Tom Wright, who's had a huge impact, or Richard Rohr, who's had a huge impact, or Barbara Brown Taylor, and I interview them, and afterwards I'm like, oh, those, these people are the worst. It would really mess up my faith because they mean a lot to me <laughs> right. from a distance. But what I found is the overwhelming majority of these people are are, are so generous and so kind, and uh, I've become bigger fans the more time I've spent with just about every person I've ever had on the podcast. Mm. Mm, yeah. And the conversations have been just incredible that you can have with them. And like many people, including me, have benefited from just whatever conversation you bring up with different people. And it makes it really thoughtful. So one of the one of the things with people who are on this podcast is they're mostly learning and thinking about how to ask really great questions when they're around really great people. Okay. Uh, and you've uh, you've had a ton of just conversations with very thoughtful, insightful people. You've had conversations with brilliant people. I remember, let's see, was it Hart uh, that mm-hmm. you brought on that Wade Hodges was like just blowing up your text messages, being <laughs> like, "You are not his intellect. You are not handling this well. You suck." Like, <laughs> like all, I, I, all those I, things are true. All those statements you made were not wrong. <laughs> they were accurate. I mean. <laughs> 
David Bentley Hart. It, it was the, the dude is just a next level thinker, and right. he was a little cold. We had to warm him up, mm. <laughs> but he's super nice afterwards. And uh, I assume the next time I'm in South Bend, Indiana, where he lives next to uh, Notre Dame's campus, I'll mm-hmm. reach out to him again and try to talk to him again. But yeah, he definitely was above me in intellectual capabilities. Yeah, I mean, some of the stuff that he was talking about, I mean, you would have dead crickets on the other side. All of us would have dead crickets on the other side. Even Randy's, like, Randy's recap was like, yep, he uh, he went there. We don't know yeah. where he went, but he went there. I don't know what so that how, meant, yeah. How do you prepare really thoughtful, like, how do you ask really good questions when you know you're going to be uh, around someone that you're like, wow, this is a really good opportunity how do I ask really good questions around people? What's your approach with that? Well, one is that I'm not smart enough to really realize that what I'm stepping into. So that kind of helps like the, the dumb, the, the dumb luck, naive, naive enough. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but honestly, I think the the real energy and the fuel for the podcast is my own curiosity and, and interest. Uh, I mean, I've mm-hmm. gotten to the point after doing hundreds of episodes is that, you know, I get publishers send me books and ask me to have their people on the podcast, which is a pretty crazy thing that I never would imagine when I started this years and years ago. Uh, So there are opportunities to talk to people who are, uh, have substantial following or clout that theoretically would do something for, you know, stats and stuff for the podcast. Uh, But I learned early on that the podcasts that are meaningful to anyone are podcasts that are genuinely driven by your own curiosity and if you talk to someone just because you think that they're going to be, you know, impressive or a cool name to drop or whatever, it's probably not going to be a good pod- podcast for anyone. And it'll be quickly, mm-hmm. uh, it'll be quickly revealed to be what it is. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's always been a genuine curiosity. So if I have someone, it's because I genuinely want to talk to them. I have something I want to learn about them. And, you know, obviously you do your homework, you read the book, you know what they're about. You, you try to figure out what their voice is and what they care about. And hopefully that coalesces with your curiosity. And I think that's where you get a good conversation. But I don't like have, I have talking points written down. I have quotes that I've, uh, I have accessible, but mm-hmm. I, I rarely have an actual question uh, formulated out in front of me that, that I'll read out or something like that. Most sure. of the conversations, the best ones are, you know, I'll have, you know, five things written down on a piece of paper, if that, and a microphone on. Like with David Bentley Hart, I think I might have had a, a couple of things scratched on a piece of paper in front of me, but that was basically it. And it's the way I see it is like, uh, are, are you a basketball fan? No, mm-mm. no, not at all. <laughs> Sorry, am I supposed to say yes? Just well, that, okay. that way the analogy keeps going. Yeah, it would help. <laughs> Uh, also part of interviewing is yes and which is from improv where you always yeah, say yes yeah. and uh, but mm-hmm. the way I see it is I'm like I'm the person setting someone up to score and it's my job to get huh. them in a position where they can shine and do their best and I hmm. think that uh, I think that helps because you know if you're on the podcast it's because I think you have something to say and right let them say it and you want other people to be able to have the window to actually throw out their best stuff yeah exactly huh. So are you telling me like, like, so when you invite a guest on, like you will read their entire book if they've written a book before you bring them on? Since we've mentioned Tom Wright, you know, he's got some uh, loquacious propensities that um, (laughs) preclude the entirety of the book to be consumed. But for the most (laughs) part, I will do my best to have a ready recollection of the subject matter that they have just written about. If it's a book-based yeah. podcast. Now, one of the things that's really cool is if it's a, a podcast about a movie, because those are way easier to just watch a movie mm. 
than to read a book. So that's what I would recommend to you. Just mm-hmm. get movies instead of books because they're easier. Yeah. So you found something like Peanut Butter Falcon way easier to do than <laughs> something like NT Rides. Like, yeah, 100%. So. I, I actually had the uh, um, the Tom Hanks, uh, Mr. Rogers movie. Oh, um, yeah. Didn't that fall through? Yeah, because I'm a, it, the, the, the follow-up email went to my junk email box. And so I never actually had the oh. interview with the actual reporter that uh, the storyline is based on. But to, to watch mm. that or Peanut Butter Falcon or whatever, it's, uh, it's, it's way easier. It's way easier yeah. than reading a book. Oh, my. That, yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's what happened. It's just like disappointment that just dropped to the bottom of my stomach. Yeah, it was. Uh, I checked my uh, junk email on Christmas Eve for some reason, and so that mm-hmm. was that was yeah. a great Christmas surprise. For Happy me. Advent! Yeah, yeah, right there. Yep. Okay, so uh, all right, maybe that's a really good transition. If we're talking about disappointments, let's talk about God over good. <laughs> um, uh, the book is not a disappointment, just to clarify. But uh, we'll get to oh, that in funny. a second. So like all right, so. So if that landed that way, let me give you one of the two compliments that you did today. Okay, <laughs> okay, so one of the things you did for me that changed my world was you introduced someone to me that I absolutely needed and I didn't even know I needed them. A man by the name of Ronald Rollheiser. Oh, come on um, now. His stuff, his stuff changed. I made a major life decision because of the last three pages of wrestling with God. It mm. it was amazing. But Ron Rollheiser uses this line where he says, really good spiritual writing introduces us to ourselves. And if I was going to describe God over God, actually, I don't even have to say it in a hypothetical sense. I've talked to multiple young adults when talking about God over good. That is a book that I have found over and over again of A, it's very easy to read. B, you don't put it on like top shelf theology for people. Third is it really helps people run into themselves as far as the wrestlings that they have with God. So that's that's one of the reasons I wanted to bring up God Over Good. You do have another book coming out, but I've used some of your work on it, and it has been very impactful. So I want you to talk a minute about, I guess this would be your uh, first heretical book. Is that correct? <laughs> uh, yeah, sure, sure. I mean it might not be the last I would assume, but uh, yeah. And I'm, I'm glad that uh, you found Ronald Rollhodge. He's outstanding. He's, he's someone that's been phenomenal. Very yeah. He's phenomenal. Good. And he doesn't but, get that. He, like Ronald uh, Rollheiser doesn't have the notoriety as a Richard Rohr. And yeah. I'm kind of like, I'm not saying that, you know, Eagle or whoever should be more popular or not, but I'm saying Ronald Rollheiser's work, I think is deeply meaningful for a lot of people, especially like uh, clergy, like people who've mm-hmm. uh, you know, spent some time studying. And I wish it was more popular with like a, a pop audience than just yeah. clergy type people. But yeah, I got over good. First of all, thank you for your kind words about the book. It, it's, um, it's really humbling to, to hear that. And I'm glad that you, know, you found it to be meaningful to you. Uh, it, it really was me making sense of my own faith. And me mm-hmm. trying to make sense of a faith that that wasn't working in the way that I thought it was supposed to work, and mm-hmm. that I based my life upon it working a certain way, and it didn't work. And I think that's something that, especially if you're talking about like young adults, you know, whether you're a pastor or not, I, I think a lot of us have that normal um, developmental moment where your faith has to be either refined or it has to be you know discarded. Mm-hmm. And for me, you know, my hope with the book is for me to make sense of that 
for myself in the same way that I think a, a good podcast is ultimately about my own curiosity. And as much as I, I like for other people to connect to the podcast, it's really me making an opportunity for me to learn things myself. And the book is the same way. Uh, Ernest Hemingway say, uh, said that uh, writing or good writing is the human heart in conflict with itself. Hmm. And that was uh, got over good. It's me trying to make sense of a faith that wasn't working. Do you mind, like, I heard I heard what you did on talking about good and having cross at the center of it this last week. Do you mind just kind of explain, because I felt, I felt like when you explained that on your podcast this last week, uh, that was a really good summation of what you're doing with God over good and redefining what good is and losing the expectations of that. Do you mind just recapping that for people listening? Okay, I'll start, and if I don't say it all, you just jump in and fill in the details. Got it. Uh, but I think the issue, like God over good, the whole book is that God doesn't always live up to the definition that we have for what is good. Mm-hmm. And I think the story of Christianity is that it's all got to be summed up in the person of Jesus, and maybe most centrally in the death, burial, and resurrection. Not to discard Jesus' life, but I'm saying like all of it has to be included. And so if your definition of good doesn't include the idea that God can become a person and that God can be crucified and that God then can be resurrected out of death and darkness, then it, it seems that you, you're you defining God in a way that isn't truly good in, in God's definition. Yeah, and that, that piece felt like, yeah, that piece is just so, that's where I feel like it's a nail on the head as far as describing the feeling that people have of, like you use in the beginning of the book, the analogy between uh, the baby and the ant uh, and the ant is basically holding like this, uh, basically this shell that keeps it good. And the definition of good is whatever you got brought to. But the baby, if it's in the right place, it's able to develop. Man, you got to read the intro of the book or my explanation of this is just going to creep you out. But trust me. <laughs> and honestly, trust if you read the good. intro, it might creep you out even more. <laughs> it's fair. And you give you give acknowledgement to that. Uh, but yeah, I feel like I feel like one of the most helpful things with God over good is that reframing of good is very much the reframing. People, especially like later in their 20s with spirituality, I see a ton of um, just because people are breaking out of the shell that they first like incubated their faith in and mm-hmm. moving with that. OK, so there's uh, there's one piece that I want to cover in God over good. And then we need to befriend your monsters for a minute. But <laughs> one of the things that I, I want your opinion on was uh, you got a place in the book that is, it's very interesting because basically I forget who it is, but it's an interview with someone that you're having or that you're reading about. And uh, I think basically she makes the claim of, you know, I'm not going to mess up someone else's view that they have of God. You remember this piece of the book? I got Uh, it just now. It took me a second, but yeah, I got it. Okay. Yeah. And basically, you know, you say, uh, you say some language of like, you know, that's a really interesting thought for me to think of, because, you know, if I think about pain or evil or causes uh, in the world, I can't attribute that to God because that feels like I'm cashing a check that doesn't have anything in the bank just because it seems problematic down the road. But at least in that part of the chapter, one of the moves that you make with it is basically saying we grow with people's view of God, but we don't try to overcorrect someone's view of God as they go. One of the questions that I have is what insight would you give someone who's worried about their view of God being hurtful to someone else's view of God? The person you're talking about is actually Barbara Brown Taylor. There we go. And I, you know, I tried to uh, set her up for like an easy answer where she could, uh, you know, kind of trash and some simplistic views of, you know, mm-hmm. darkness not being a place where people need to go. And, you know, the, the comment she made that stuck with, stuck with me, it kind of 
pointed me in the direction of an attitude that I to this day can continue to keep is when someone's going through suffering and it's helping them, whatever view they have that's helping them get through the day, it's it's not the right time or place to try to deconstruct it hmm. because life has a way of deconstructing faith, uh, no matter if someone says it or not for many yeah. of us. And I don't know if unsolicited uh, deconstruction is the hmm. kind of a go-to option that many of us need to lean into. It seems that what we need are people who are there for us when deconstruction happens naturally and that we can be the guides, that we can be the friends to someone in the same way that people have been a friend to me in my deconstruction without being condescending or authoritarian, trying to tear things apart for me. But they were just there for me and patiently guide me through things. And so when it comes to – I've had some people say some crazy stuff that – I have felt the need to kind of jump in and go, wait a minute, that's that's not helpful. Like I, mm-hmm. uh, I was at uh, serving in a church, and there was this w- w- woman who had this weird situation where like someone was following her, and she was at a store, and she eventually got out, and so she's retelling the story to to me and a couple other people, and she goes, you know, I just kept telling myself, God protects those that God loves, yeah, God protects those that God, and so you know that nothing bad was going to happen to me, and I thought, well you know what? No one's attacking you right now. No one's following you. But if you think through that long enough, you're eventually going to have a serious crisis because you're not always going to be protected in the way that you define protection. Right. Uh, but that's different than someone who you know has a kid who's in the oncology floor and, mm-hmm. and trying to tell them, no, this is exactly how it works when they're not asking for the question. So mm-hmm. um, I think presence is really important in crisis. And that would probably be my go-to move is I, I want to be a, a source of presence. And if there's questions that come up, great. But mm-hmm. first and foremost, I want to kind of follow the way of the incarnation of word being flesh and dwelling among us. Right. And presence of it being first and foremost. That's a helpful distinction because I felt like, I feel like one of the wrestlings people have in their 20-somethings and maybe in the early 30-somethings is as you're deconstructing and you're reworking your view of God, sometimes uh, people accidentally like spiritually puke on other people as they're in a different place or have a different view or line side of God. And you almost feel like you have to police it, but there's more at the core. Uh, You're trying to wrestle with your own growth and maturing of your perception with God. And that doesn't license you to move into someone else's perception of God and uh, try to just knock it around just for the sake of knocking it around. For Mm -hmm. sure. For sure. Mm -hmm. Okay. So can we, uh, can we move to befriending our monsters? This is your podcast, Zane. I'm, I'm here for the ride. <laughs> okay. How is this book going to be different than God Over Good? God Over Good is a hardback, and this one is a paperback. So there's just oh, gonna, like that. the second you I have it in that. your hand, there's going to be a noticeable difference. Uh, we'll get back to the audiobook not being you. That is, yeah, I don't that, know why you let that happen or how that happened. <laughs> but anyways, yeah. back to it. Speaking of sore subjects, let's talk about that one all day. That'd be great. Um, uh, the difference is, so, so God Over Good is really a story about me making sense of my theology that had, had faltered. Uh, God Over Good is kind of more my attempt to make accessible like theological things I struggle with. Hmm. I, I would say that befriending your monsters, on the other hand, is more about spiritual formation. It, it's more about dealing with the lies that we all uh, wrestle with. Henry Nowen said, we're all tempted to believe three things. Uh, I am what I do. I am what others say about me. Mm-hmm. And I am uh, what I have. Mm-hmm. And so this book is more wrapped around those lies and the fear that kind of drives us to act on those things and less about, uh, you know, per se, like theological issues. So mm-hmm. it's more about 
shaping who you are, not just trying to shape your perception of who God is. Mm. Okay. So this one's going to be way more like soul work oriented, like inward discernment pieces. 100%. Okay. Okay. So, uh, do you mind like kind of, kind of giving us a run through of like, what, what do you think is, I'm not asking you to reveal everything that's in the book. People (laughs) can get that covered for sure. As a pastor who sits in front of people and listens a lot and listens to their story arc and their narrative and, their view. What do you sense as some underlying fears that most people don't even know are core fears that are going on underneath? Gotcha. One of the first things I'd want to say is that often we want to run away from what we're most afraid of. And so the, you know, the, the title is based upon the idea of, of monsters, which, you know, monsters, everyone knows monsters don't really exist, mm-hmm. but our fake monsters put fur, flesh, and skin upon the very real fears each and every one of us has. The word monster literally comes from the Latin word, which means to warn. And so from the very beginning, our understanding of these fake monsters is they were warnings on things that are far more substantial than actually what the fur, flesh, and skin are that we see. Hmm. And so what I would say is we all have things that we're afraid of, but instead of running away from them, if we actually go to them, we might finally be able to access our truest self. Because for us to become who we are created to be, it often requires us going where we don't want to go. And the idea of befriending your monsters, the things that you're most afraid of, they might actually be the very invitations for you to access the things that are preventing you from getting to the kind of person that God created you to be. Hmm. And so if we want to look at those three things that Nalan talked about, hmm. which uh, like I use as a framework for the three monsters, the monster of comparison, which okay. is I am what others say about me, the monster of more, which is I am what I have, and the monster of success, which is I am what I do. What I would say is like, for example, like the monster of success is many of us think, that if we don't succeed, then we aren't anything. And what I would say is maybe underneath that fear of what our failure says about us is actually an invitation to find that only when you actually lose can you actually be found. And the monster of comparison says, I've got to compare myself to someone else to see how well I'm stacking up. And the monster of comparison would say, well, maybe that propensity that you have to look to something else to define you is right. You're just looking at the wrong place. And instead of comparing yourself with others, the, the, the fear that leads you to compare is actually looking for a more stable place for you to rest your balance upon. And so I, I think mm. underneath all these things, there's a, there's a greater invitation than maybe what we naturally want to go to. But if we can learn how to befriend those monsters, I think God can use those things to get us to our truest self. Solid. Okay, so it's like a, it's like a more complete reframing of Henry Nouwen's like in Jesus' name, basically. Mm. Okay, well, it's Henry Nowen, so I would never say it's more complete. Uh, it's funnier <laughs> than Henry Nowen. Uh, it's funnier for sure, but it's definitely uh, less complete. Now, I, I love Nowen, and, and like I, I said all along, like I, I think his three lies that are, are kind of like the framework for the three monsters I talked yeah. about. So, yeah, it's definitely uh, some. Uh, it's written from the perspective of someone who really values the work of Nowen. Solid, 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 solid. Okay. Yeah, see, sorry. I, you got me speaking heresy there for a minute. That, that, that could be more complete. But I, li- I like that because it gives more of the so- – because when how when Nowen does it, it's very much the – these are the questions. It sounds like you're helping give the other half or other side of it of what it can reveal underneath each of them. So is that the breakdown of the book? Is it in a three part or are there more than just three parts to the book? Yeah, no, what I, like I, I start off talking about the idea of monsters and how to access them. And then I'm 
Um, and then I talk about those three things as three specific monsters. And so I use those kind of as prolonged examples of what it means, like this bigger idea of befriending your monsters. And so I, I try to flesh those out with those three monsters. So I do spend a lot of time on those three. Gotcha. Okay. So uh, this, this could be a fun question because I've, uh, I've listened to you and uh, Suzanne Stabil go back a little bit back and forth. Authors talk about all the time when they start unpacking their own books, they find something that kind of pokes and prods them. What was the thing in writing this book that poke and prodded you? The whole thing. Like <laughs> each of the monsters I talk about it. Like I, I in the monster of comparison, I talk about my experience that I started preaching little country church outside of Abilene, and then I took over this interdenominational Bible study where mm-hmm. the guy before me was a gentleman named Matt Chandler. Casual. And yeah, and, and I didn't think that Matt Chandler would turn out to be like one of the most influential names in okay. American Christianity, especially conservative Christianity. And so I just compared myself to him. I thought that's uh, that's an easy person to compare myself. And so obviously when I talk about comparison, I, I, I've experienced that firsthand. And when I talk about success, I, I've lost. I've, I've gotten fired before from a job. I've mm-hmm. planted a church that didn't become a 10,000 member mega church. I've, so mm-hmm. these are all things that I'm – and obviously the monster of more – I'm an Enneagram seven. Like that's my entire existence. So I, when I write things, I, I typically don't write things that I'm proficient at, or I feel like I haven't figured out. I try to write more out of the woundings and the issues that I have. So every mm. one of them has, uh, I, I have some skin in the game. Gotcha. So it's almost like your product of your chapters is us seeing your scratch work that worked out the equation that you got to at the end. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people are like, Hey, I want to turn out to be just like you, Luke. And this <laughs> This book is the answer to how to get there. No, I mean, it's it's not like that, but it is – what I'm trying to say is that I think every book has to cost you something. I think every piece of art that we give the world, whether it is a book or it's a song or it's our parenting or it's you know being a teacher, like all those things have to cost you something if they're really going to be meaningful. And so I wouldn't want to – at this stage of my life, I don't want to write a book that doesn't cost me something. Now, 10 years from now, eh. We'll see. But right now I'm willing to do that kind of work. Wow. Oh, that's awesome. I've, I've never heard that frame before of cost, especially with sermon writing. I feel that to be so true. Like there's yeah. a little bit of air that gets let out of me sometimes after, after a sermon, because I gave a part of me to that sermon. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That, and one of the things that's going to sting for you, Zane, is that there'll be some point where you go, yeah, I don't want to put that part of myself in a sermon because it costs me too much. Huh. And I haven't gotten there where I've ever thought that with writing yet, but um, mm-hmm. you, you get what I'm saying. Like it yeah. costs you something. It's going to be good. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, wow. That was strong. That was really strong. That was, that was a word for me to hear for a minute. Okay. Do you have uh, a minute or two for uh, some mailbag questions? I've got all the time in the world for you, Zane. Oh, wow. Okay. I, I don't know if I would go that far. I think my storm at radar is going off. Of, we got we to be careful of propping you up too much. Uh, okay. So one of the questions <laughs> was uh, uh, Annie F. Downs wrote your foreword, yes. uh, which True. we've got a lot of people who are massive Annie fans um, that are <laughs> excited about that. So uh, can you talk about how you and Annie became friends? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's funny is that Annie is the person that everyone is like, so, um, you're hanging out with Annie this weekend. Can, can I FaceTime you? I mean, more than anyone else, like we joke about Tom Wright or Roar or whoever, and it's Annie F. Downs. Seriously. So she has an amazing propensity to, uh, 
to endear herself to countless people across the world. Mm-hmm. But she did the same with my family too. Uh, we met at a little gathering uh, a couple of years ago, right before, a couple of months before her book, Hundred Days of Brave came out. Mm-hmm. And we were in uh, like Michiana, which is like a lake town on like one of the Great Lakes. I forget which one. And uh, I didn't know who she was. Honestly, I didn't. And so we're there and I do a podcast. If you go back and look at the, the archives, it's called Jason Palooza. And Man. I'm recording this podcast with a bunch of friends, um, Jason Miller, Jonathan Merritt, Aaron Nequist, mm-hmm. and Annie's there. And we had talked, like we were at the same little, you know, 15 person, 20 person retreat. And so we had became friends there, but I didn't know much about her. And then we became friends in real life. I was in Nashville soon after, did a podcast. She was in Austin. She stayed with Lindsay and I, but she's like uh, Aunt Annie to our to my girls now. Which and is so she cool. is she's great. I mean, we a couple weeks ago we watched uh Trolls World Tour, Trolls mm-hmm. Two. And uh so she was on her we had her on the iPad and she was watching through at her house at the same time we were watching our house and our girls just they just love spending time with her. So she's she's the real deal. She's great people and you know, when you have kids, when you have daughters especially uh, to have like a big sister like like Annie is something mm-hmm. that uh, you know means the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, would they you. would they be considered mini BFFs? Is that is that how your daughters label themselves? I feel like she is referred to them as such on her Instagram. Okay. So I think yes. Do they use that term? Um, <laughs> they refer to like her as like the mermaid sister. Oh, because they all have like mermaid blankets. Oh, but man, that's um, a good turn. Okay. that may be a world you and i may never understand that okay so the next one is actually uh in regards to your daughters what is the strangest thing you've ended up doing with your daughters during quarantine i've like i've been a dad for a while so there's nothing we've done that's super strange at this point now would many people think it's strange yeah uh you know this morning me and my six-year-old were working out together in the garage and uh, for some people that's weird but that's like just normal um uh, i think what they want to dye our dog oliver's hair blue which Um, we might do tonight mm. so that might be weird but again that's just kind of life um oh oh here's what it is my oldest daughter loves the michael jordan documentary let the record show it is the clean edited version not the uh <laughs> no, it's like the ESPN2 version not like the unedited oh, yeah. one for the record walking um, it back just a dad yeah but so we're like Michael Jordan right now so my daughter will send me Michael Jordan gifts oh my. which is, that is pretty awesome. amazing yeah no that's awesome yeah she yeah. she wins it for sure out of the three yeah, right there with that <laughs> here's the next one favorite podcast guest you've ever had oh I mean, if I don't say Annie, if I don't say Roar, if I don't say Barbara Brown, I, you, get in you know who's been like a – so everyone loves Annie, so I'm not going to say that. Everyone loves Roar. I'm not going to – Roll Highs, you already talked about. Barbara Brown Taylor, everyone knows. Mm-hmm. Rob or whoever. Like I'm not going to say those. But the name that has been like the most surprising guest that I didn't know how much I would absolutely love huh. – because I, I love all those people that I mentioned so far. But Becca Stevens is someone who I, I write a little bit about in my uh, in this new book. But – I think Barbara Brown Taylor actually said, Hey, that's someone you need to have on your podcast. You need to get to know. And I've gotten to spend a little time with her and she is absolutely amazing. She runs this great organization called Thistle Farms where she helps women coming out of the sex uh, working. I forget the right terminology for that. Uh, People coming out of sex working, uh, people coming out of addictions in prison and gives them 
a great opportunity for, for God to work in their life to, to let them kind of start over. It's, and it's really beautiful what she does and she's just really fun and she's just great. So, Mm. um, I hate that question. I'm going to tell you, cause there's so many people (laughs) I would, I would want to say, and I already told you, like, I, like just about everyone on the podcast I've ever had, I'm like, Oh, I like them. Oh, I want to, yeah, I'm rooting for them in life afterwards. Well, even better, not even my question. So I get to wash my hands of that one. But, but uh, how yeah. far, if someone wants to go back and listen to that episode, how far back is Becca? Is are we talking like, you know, two scrolls, no twenty episodes back? Don't you don't you have them memorized by number? No idea. I don't even know how many number what what number I'm on. I, I have no idea. <laughs> you can Google. Google will tell you that. Type in her name and my name, and magic will happen. Okay. All right. And then last question that we got from Mailbag. And this one we kind of always ask to different people that we have coming on the podcast, which is where are you on to? Like as far as like next projects go, like this was the second book, right? That you committed to. Yeah. So now that you're done with that one, is what, what's the next project ahead? Uh, I have a book that I have a rough draft done and I don't want to talk about it, but I have it done. Mm. I have 50,000 words in my third book. Oh, wow. That, okay. I'm, I've got some problems. I, I like to to hustle, but uh, I'm not saying that as like an Enneagram three. I'm like, oh, look at me! I've all. You know, it, it's like the Enneagram three during like a job interview, and like, what's your weakness? And they're like, I just work too hard. I take things home. Yeah. I care too much. Right? Like, it's not like that. It's I'm saying that as anyway. But yeah, yeah. so right. I got. Uh, I I really like writing. It's uh, it's come part of my rhythm, and so yeah, I'd like to keep writing. So if y'all go out and buy this book, it would help this third book get published. Hmm. So is it is it teetering of like if it will get published or not, or is it going to get published either way? Well, okay. So my my first contract was a two book contract, yeah, that's and right. so like when I was writing the second one, when the first one hadn't come out yet, it was oh I already have this book under contract. Now I think the third one will get it'll appear somehow, but mm-hmm. I'm just saying that I don't have a, a contract on it yet. Gotcha. And with this, this will be the last question that we asked to try and see if you'll just name what this book is. Is this a part of what you've read before on your podcast? Like you've done a couple oh, yeah, episodes yeah, yeah, yeah. where you just read monologues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ever. Yeah, I've read. Uh, yeah, I've read early iterations of it. Yes. Okay. Cool. So people can look that up and they can listen to a piece of it and see if they want mm-hmm. helping you push it forward. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Thank you, Zane. It's it's like American Idol. You get to decide if you vote. Yep. Uh, this person will make it to Hollywood. I don't know American Idol, so I feel like the metaphor broke down there. But it was a stretch, but you may work. You, I couldn't do basketball with you. You already told me that. Sure. But uh, <laughs> that's like basketball is one of the few sports. Although I have, if you own a Twitter, you know about the Michael Jordan series. But um, other than that, like basketball is just one of those I just never, I never gave time to it. I don't know why. Mm. I don't know why. Well, but that's where we shame. are. Okay, so uh, if people want to follow you, if they want to keep up with uh, with you and the things that you're doing, what what do they need to know? If you want to follow me, I would encourage you to stick to the digital realm, like a social media. Follow me. Don't yeah. don't do it in real life. I don't want that. Unless you don't want that. You. Yeah, Maybe if the Lord prompts you, just don't. Yeah, you know it, that's that's not the Lord. I guarantee it. So do the social media version of it. Okay, and then people can go to uh, iTunes or Spotify as far as newsworthy with Nordsworthy, right? It's there. Yeah, cool. it's on the it's on the internet. Cool. And then the book is releasing when. It uh, it comes out on May 
Oh, uh, it is next Tuesday, which we all know to be. I'm not looking things up on my phone right now. It comes. I feel like it comes up Monday or Tuesday. It's like the 19th or the 18th. Hey, what about uh, what about Amazon reviews? You wanna wanna talk yes. about that for a second? Yeah, please leave a review. Unless if it's not a five star, then just stop. Uh, don't be that person. <laughs> or your brother, if you're Luke's brother, don't leave another. Yeah. One. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at this point, we'll take them. But uh, yeah, five star review. I, I recently found out that the more reviews you have, like there's certain levels to get to, and then Amazon puts you more visible. I mm-hmm. didn't know that until literally last week. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, please do that. That's uh, always a nice way to say thanks to the author because you know Amazon runs the world, and yeah, yeah. Jeff Bezos needs your money. It's a prime He's hurting line. for money. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the work that you do and I appreciate it. And even in Abilene, Texas, the work that you do uh, greatly affects people here. So I just oh, appreciate, thanks, it. I appreciate it. Yeah. Absolutely. Zane, I feel like we've only gotten like two good compliments. I feel like I had a third one that I'm waiting for. Um, no, so we can... said two was two, two was Women? what we were going with. You can, you can mm-hmm. listen to Highland sermon. If you'd like the third one from Shane. It was what it time, was, like how was, early in the service? Left field. It was midway. It was yeah. left field. And one of the people that I work with that helps with the podcast, literally when he said it, she just turned to me and she was like, you're kidding me. <laughs> so so there it is. Here's the thing. Shane is anointed. He is from God. And he is the best preacher that Highland has had in years. And oh, so man. I think whatever he says is infallible. <laughs> in fact, you include that is just a sign that he is God's anointed. And I think each and every one of you should well, just he, be thankful that you're in his presence. Yeah, well, we'll uh, also forward this podcast to Shane. That way he can carry that weight. <laughs> oh, that's outstanding. Well, uh, I'm, gl- I'm glad that you had some kind words to say about the book. This was a fun podcast. All right. Thank you for listening. Now, like I said, was that not like proof in the pudding that like I just totally got caught up in conversation? Sometimes I even listened to that and was like, what were you thinking? All right. So make sure that if this is your first time to come across and you don't want to miss the people that we have coming up, feel free to subscribe to this uh, podcast and you can do that either on iTunes or Spotify. Another way to keep up with this podcast is to make sure that you add yourself to the email list. And the email list is the place where we kind of send resources. We also give you helpful tips. We give you material that people talk about. And uh, we try to give you a few sneak peeks of what's coming on. So if you want to be on the email list, head to the link in our Instagram bio and you can click sign up. Until next week, friends, may you remember you are onto something.